book from the bedside above, and opened to the poem, and the light from her eyes reflected onto the page, and the poem winked back at her, and carried on with the paper for a second glimmer at Aria and the queue, and inside the poem, became a fractal of text, at first mirroring the poem, and they simply spelling out a series of images and text, a language meant for her. It was her laundry list in fact, and she laughed. How did you know about my knickers? She laughed and slapped the notebook closed and wrapped it neatly with a red string and placed it by her side. Q looked up with one eye, then closed it and put his hand on her butt. Aria curled inwards and spooned Miranda from the left, and Miranda continued. for the AltaCast here on Mutiny Radio. And today, we are CPCLing Choose Poetry, Choose Life with Glasgow, Scotland. Your hosts, Aaron Gannon, Andy Talbot. I'm here in San Francisco in the studio, Pam Benjamin. Ready to read some poetry today. I wrote a poem about Andy Talbot. It's a friendship poem. We had um, a reading a couple weeks ago or some, I mean I, we, I've been doing so much stuff lately it's hard to keep track but we did a show together and it was amazing and during it we both said geez you know no one's ever written poems about me and he said same thing he says no one's written a poem about me and I was like I'm gonna write a poem about him so I did uh, because I think it would be incredibly flattering if someone had written a poem about me I wouldn't find it creepy at all. I wouldn't despise that person in the least for writing a poem about me. I wouldn't I wouldn't think, oh no. Oh hi. Uh, Alright, so Andy just checked in on the Zoom. I'm gonna put up some more of this uh, crazy Aqua Lab, Aqua Q and his labs, man. Um, I've just been loving them. He's been sending them to me and I've been downloading them and playing them. And I'll play a little bit for you while we get this all set up zoom-wise. Yay! From across the world and onto their wrists. Dot. The screens blinked a bit. The three of them paused and waited for it to clear. Aria was sitting in a coffee shop outside of Geneva. Again, she thought her pinkish golden watch timed as selected when it was time for a time away and this was it. Q was in the middle of bussing some papers down the street towards and away from things as usual, left coat pocket and the like. And Miranda was just up at sunrise at the Pacific Rim this time, no joke. She traveled overnight and had packed just a bit for a conference meetup for the book convention scheduled last May from the township. Aria sipped her orange juice and tapped the screen. You in there Q? What's the dinging about? We're all about with our business and the proceedings are proceeding with process and necess. As needed, Aria thought he might hear it but she tapped the screen once just to highlight her notion of notioning. Miranda tapped back. Yep, he's got his paperwork about and I believe he believes he's heading upward to the never-ending story folks. They seem on about a traquel as you know how he can fly time and the like, and so. Silence. Hugh was not normally in this much sun, 
from this time of day. More of a night owl and black cars in the odd slipping in at the right moments and such. But geez. 101 pages on this one, and several copies for the crew, and still three hours until the next. Shoot he dropped the papers. About time something happened, he paused and looked towards the ground, as they were slightly in between the shimmering embedded sparkly sidewalk and a bit of slick towards and in the gutter. His watch chimed and the haptics hit up Arya's beat. Tap tap. So this is what you get onto when you're not getting onto. Ain't you? Ari equipped and sipped again at her orange juice, with now a splash of soda, and a straw she keeps with her, so as to be ecological. Yes, Arya. The onto is onto the floor and chores like this haven't made it up the staircase to the case I need to get to, spiral bound and booked up like a top shelf, for this pack of loose papers now, a bit dirty and, well, not in yourself, I can see that. Is that a pocket protector? No it's a packet of gum. It's for the, fresh. Anyway how's your end? Arya's end was just fine and sitting, just and there and she adjusted slightly at the thought and thought about telling him about the. Oh, surprise. Q blurted out, and bent over to pick up a quarter on the street. Damn it's a regular one. You'd hope for a 1964 silver ore, but anyway. The story is carrying on, and it's just time not carrying it anymore, it's toppled into the streets and somebody forgot to number the pages. So it'll be up to you guys to piece it together once I get over. I'll scan it and you can run it through a quick OCR or something. Or, I can. Wait he picked up a cup of coffee and dropped it directly downward onto the ground, and the cup hit square bottom and the coffee jumped out and bits all over the papers. He took a quick photo, shuffled them together, and straightened his back up a bit. Oh, I think I got the ordering now. We have the cover bound by main splash and the spill into the street by the spray that's come off it. We're good for ordering. So yeah, I think people should be able to unmute themselves, I think Aaron was saying. Is that right? Yep. Cool. Cool. So if if, if anyone wants to unmute when people Oh shit. Hopefully you get that back, AJ. Um yeah, if people want to unmute during performance and stuff, that's cool. Um Yeah, so anyone that hasn't been here before, this is Choose Four Choose Light. I'm Andy. Erin um, is going to be here, but not here. Um, yeah. I forgot I have a paper due, like for an academic publication tomorrow. <laughs> like I literally forgot till an hour ago. That's so to cool. Get my shit together. Being <laughs> in an academic journal—that's super cool. Well, I have to do it because you have to be published twice in an academic journal in order to apply for special talent visas over huh. here. So I can stay in the UK. So if I don't get this turned in, it's like sabotage, like self-sabotage of like the highest fucking degree. Because you'd have to come back here, which is a nightmare. Well, not even that, but like all I, really all it is is like sort of expanding on the hypertext workshop that we did at that conference at Oxford that I told you all about. So if I don't do it, it's like, that's why I thought maybe I could do it in the hour, but now I can't find that video. So, so but I'm here because I want to hear what everybody has to say. 
about our horrible <laughs> oh did, did people write about um our dumb country this week i can't believe that you guys actually that you care about our dumb country like like we're just we're the worst and and everything's uh, it's I'm so scared. I gotta be honest. If uh, if Trump's reelected, can I move to the UK? Like, wh when do I get to move to Amsterdam or somewhere? No, it's not that much better over here. We've got fucking Boris. I was gonna say, for goodness' sake, do you really think this shower's any better? I. Uh, it's gotta be. It can't be as bad I don't as know, this. You guys. Oh, we're fine. Pretty hot. Fucking ridiculous. I, I've been in both places about 12 times between 2016 and now and i gotta say it's better here yeah i got sent back to the states about 15 months which i know you guys do it seems ridiculous but like that's actually how bad it is well i spent a good deal of today staring at a um, at a sort of live map of the US, watching things go blue and red and pink and so on. And uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not calling it. It's I mean it is at the moment it's kind of looking a bit more towards Biden than Trump in terms of electoral college votes. But there's so much more yet to come in. You can't really uh, can't call it. Call it civil war, civil war, civil war. <laughs> We've done it before. We'll do it again. I just don't understand why California problem, doesn't. The problem here is that Trump is a bit of an anathema, and it's a terrible thing to call him that because we have a wonderful anathema on our screen right now. We <laughs> <I> do. <laughs> we need to. We need to ch legally change the meaning of that of that word. <laughs> First of all, he wouldn't be able to pronounce it. Uh, no, but I, but I'm pretty sure that Melania can. <laughs> Melania, 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 what's her name? Yeah, I, I don't know what her name is because she never speaks. I can't even make fun of her accent because I have no idea what she sounds like. Um, I was gonna... Got like a, a for her now as well. What happened? People have been saying that some of the photos of Trump with Melania, people have been saying that it's not her, it's like a, a different model who's made up to look like her. I mean, oh, was not 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 well, I, I've seen that too. It's it's interesting, but I believe it. I, I think it's true. photos are the real photos. Well, I think it's true that there's a double because in one of the photos I saw very recently, she was smiling, and I don't know if you know. <laughs> she doesn't smile. Never fucking smiles. Yeah, she looks gorgeous when she frowns, though. I mean, and the thing I have oh, yeah, a problem with, with her. A great bitch face, yeah. Well, it, it might be possible <laughs> that she got that during her modeling years that she got some sort of thing that makes it so she can't smile, like a, like a surgery. It's called Botox. Uh, no, not, not Botox, like something permanent. Like a permanent, like something with a mask instead of a needle. All her facial nerves were seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right from her heart. That's like terrifying thought, Ken, thanks for that. That's all right. Well, it makes sense, because if you're going to marry Donald Trump and then he becomes president, you hey, don't want a face to actually register what you're thinking, do you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're um, thinking about a, you're thinking about, <laughs> about a really good prenup, number one. <laughs> <laughs> because you know he's going to try to cheat on you, oh, whether yeah. he's capable of it or not. Like he's trying to cheat, cheat on the country right now. I just think it's funny yeah. that his son. So he's just trying to cheat the country right now. That's yeah, that's it. 
their son's their son's name is Baron. Their son's name is Baron, and I wish that she was. That's just that's that just mean. That's just mean. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Melaniania. I'm sorry. Don't try that at home, people. Pam's a professional. What's gonna happen once Donald dies? Or, or like, or like uh, Ivanka and and Don Jr. are gonna try to take him away from from uh, from what's her name? Or I think something like that. Uh, Andy, get a grip on this. <laughs> we know that they, they can't stand the size of Tiffany, right? But I think they might like Darren, or they might they might be able to handle the fact that he exists. Well, to, to Tiffany, I think they favor anyone to Tiffany. So I don't know. If they thought you know, Michelle was like I. It wasn't. I think it took me until after Trump was elected to find out that the right, that the people, that the anti-Obama people had thought that Michelle Obama was a man. Oh yeah, that was, yeah, that was I a, didn't know. <laughs> I couldn't no, I only learned about that this year, so. But I gotta say, like, I mean, if any, if Michelle is a candidate, then so is fucking Melania. I'm well, sorry, but like, you know what I mean? Like, if one is, if one, if, like, you, I just like, yeah, I don't I think see Melania that. is more likely to be, I think Melania might be more likely to be than Michelle would be. Uh, a robot? No, um, it's literally so, just that she had biceps. <laughs> right, know, that's she had like, awesome guns. She did. Yeah. <laughs> that was exactly the problem, right? Yeah. But there's a bunch of so there's like a bunch of like people in the UK who um they seem to think that everyone is secretly trans. And a while ago they were putting out like things trying to prove that um Boris Johnson is a trans guy because in their words he has a female pelvic shape. And they had this like picture they'd found of him in cycling shorts. <laughs> itself. But like and they'd drawn these diagonal lines on it and they were going uh, like... Oh. like one of those long vaginas, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got an outie vagina. Um, but yeah. I just... but no, these people are just... They, they think literally everyone, everyone, in, anyone who's in the need that... Because the, their only explanation for why trans people are more accepted is that it's a massive conspiracy. And their only explanation for that is that everyone that you see in the news is secretly trans and is in on it. So it's well, just... It seems like trans... I used to believe that about Gaga. It's like mass trans envy, I feel like. <laughs> and why really do we... Believe that Gaga was. Why do we care so much about people's genitals? Uh, that's the thing that makes me so crazy. Why do we care about what people do? Thank we care you. about the way we bump them together, what happens after... Why is it anybody's business what is inside my pants and what I choose to do with it? Like... That, 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 anybody chooses I, I, just I think I thought we'd evolved past this but clearly we haven't at all like wait can somebody from the UK tell Pam about the non-essential menstrual products oh don't what? even get me going I'm gonna stab somebody about that I'm just gonna bleed on them that'll sort them out they literally they, they've said that um, menstrual products are non-essential apparently yeah uh -huh. so, like, 
stores were only allowed to sell essential items for lockdown, and they said that menstrual products were not essential. Wow. Oh, that was in, that was in Wales. That was in Wales. That was in Wales. So, so what did you buy? Did you buy diapers and tear them up or something? Like, I don't know. Frankly, like, I mean, I like, I would have been like waiting for <laughs> <more diapers. laughs> I, I on the Capitol, you know, just like wherever. Like, hi, I'm, I'm sorry, but which uneducated moron? individual? I'm not gonna <laughs> make that decision. It was a man. Mm-hmm. Well, do yeah. they have the? Do they have the? Uh, the female product tax in England, like they do here, because yeah. like yeah, yeah, you pay, you pay yeah. that because or- we can yeah. stop that, you know. <laughs> yeah, you could people, people should everyone in everyone in Britain should just free bleed. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, and, I'm then, not- and then send all their stained clothes, their stained pants, to the government. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I would have been like if it. I thought it was England, so I was like, I mean, if I lived in London, I would have just gone to Ten Downing and exactly yeah. wanted. This lasts for ten fucking days, people. I'm in menopause. Perimenopausal win. Oh my god. There aren't any of us so far. I'm I'm 46. I'm I'm going through menopause. I'm I'm going through menopause. I haven't. I have my period every four months now. And um, my eggs, when they come out of me, they just scream. They're like, "We want dick. We make us people." And they're screaming out of my vagina. But my underwear have never been happier. Like, I finally can wear sexy underwear because, like, nothing is coming out of me. It's fantastic. (laughs) It's cool to be able to buy underwear, though, and not, like, be like, this is going to get ruined. Like, I wear the cutest panties now. Gonna get ruined. All right, okay. we're gonna start what? this, but we've we just been this has been like the most fun. I'm like I'm hanging out with my friends in, in the UK. I am I am gonna pass to you a phrase, however, that that as might find useful prior to, in the prior conversation, which was um my friend was well, on an equi- on an equalities and diversities group for our church. He said somebody had passed to him the phrase orifice theology. Mm. Why are we so interested in it? And what do we think other people are doing? Mm. Mm. It's been very useful. <laughs> All righty, Andy. I guess we should start some poetry. Or yeah. <laughs> Rain us in, Andy. I can start with my new poem I wrote about Andy. I wrote a poem about Andy because. because oh, yeah. Yeah, because. um. We had that reading the other, the other day, and um, and both Andy and I lamented that no one's ever written poems about us. And I was like, I'm gonna write a poem about him. And it's a friendly. It's a super friendly. Is that what? Is that creepy? And that was the first thing he said. He's like, I hope it's not creepy. It's not creepy at all. It's nice. Oh, not, is, it, is, it, is it dirty or erotic? No, not in any way. Not in any way. <laughs> That's the first question is it? It's, <laughs> It, I mean, it's only concern. Start weird well, there's nothing people. wrong if you have a crush on Andy. No, I don't. No. I just wanted to write a poem about it. I don't. We've never met in real life. How can you have a crush on someone you've never met in real life? Okay, so it doesn't have a title, but it's the Andy poem, and it goes like this: I know Andy is a good guy because Andy likes cats, and his sense of humor speaks because tattoos say everything if you look to listen. Although his chosen lighting casts shadows misanthropic, he grapples in his beard for gifts, B 
beyond the darkness, farther still. Does the cave dweller see himself a hermit? Some chosen lifestyle of lonely. Don't forget to feed the cat. The flickering screen becomes a window into a wonderland behind the glass. That's an Andy poem. Yay! And now your host, Andy Talbot. Hi. Creaky chair. Thank you, fam. That was... No, it's not a creaky chair anymore. Oh, it is. It's going Ooh. creaky, creaky, leathery, leathery. Oh, because the creaky chair is here. Ah, that's, um, that's more of a wood creaky. This one's a sort of scrunging of fetishistic leather creaky, so that's fine. Oh. It's, I'm enjoying no, it's, it. It's not, it's not this one. Oh, well, somebody's making, or was, making an interestingly squidgly sort of leathery noise, but there you go. No, sadly, it wasn't me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, we don't have anyone who wants to go next. Christine so, said she wanted to go early, right, Christine? Right. Okay, yeah. Pardon? Yeah, that's okay. fine. So, we'll go to Christine now. Hi. Hi. I've got uh, three poems tonight, uh, two of which are political, and one is a sort of a nod to Remembrance Sunday. And given the situation, you've got to start off with a poem about Trump, haven't you, really? So the first one's called Trump. His hair was a lobster pot of his ambitions, false as his plastic talents which shook the world. His self-interest, dangerous. His morals, frayed lace. His bluster, a whirlwind of lies. His soul, a Dorian Gray picture. His swagger built from the pain of others, women, a footstool for his smirk, his body, a repulsive slug, oozing and grasping, sympathy, like a rottweiler on heat, empathy, smaller than a gnat known for its bite and itch, Trump, a blimp swayed only by the winds of self-promotion and advantage, a presidency, built on false news in a White House of post-Trumpism, a corruption at the heart of government, a proud boy, indeed. And the second one's a political one, but it's over about the UK. And it's, um, once I believed that Britain was a democracy, that we were all proud and free, now, I see instead we're in danger of taking the fascist knee. When children are left unfed, whilst Tory grandees spout and puff, and the PM is filled with narcissistic need for approbation, fueled by false declarations and underhand machinations. Britain, on America's coattail spinning, the NHS privatised, Americanized, the PM's friends to pay so... All the profit goes their way. The PM's lies and covers up no longer cause eyebrows to rise as his government dismantles the BBC. The mm. media, owned by a too powerful few, pervades the more right-wing view. Objectivity under threat as both the civil service and the judiciary sweat, attacked and undermined by hee-hawing clowns on Westminster benches, not subject to official censure. Add boundary changes to 
the equation, and extra Tory seats caused their party much elation. First past the post was never ideal, but now it drives the opposition to despair of ever forming the government where changes for the better can be on the cards. So when these changes do take place and choice is gone and nothing else remains, where then is democracy? Wow. And the third one is, um, as I say, a nod to Remembrance Day, and it's based on a memory that my father shared with me about his experiences during the Second World War and about what happened to one of the soldiers on his unit. I've relocated it to the First World War, and it reflects really how the burden of war can be too much for some soldiers to bear. And it's called His Fingers Slick with Whale Oil. His fingers slick with whale oil, working sensitively through his Lee Enfield gun. He rubbed each part with tender care, smoothing the bolt, the spring, the breech, caressing the cock and piece, reaching with searching fingers long, each intimate corner of this his gun. At last with quickening breath he reached for each bullet one by one as inside he slipped each deadly shell then sat with quivering buttocks taunt. He propped it between his thighs and placed the barrel twixt teeth and gums. The safety catch died its release. His fingers tightened and with a trembling thumb he squeezed, and so his last breath was done. That's, that's me, unless you want the one I wrote tonight. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, hang on, I've got one here somewhere. Uh, bum, 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 bum. Hmm. I thought I had it here. Hang on. I'll just have a quick look on, you know, well, come back to me later and I'll print it off while, I'm, while somebody else is talking. All right, sweet. Thank you, Christine. Right. Oh, I found it. No, 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 <laughs> it's called Revenge. I'm obviously in that kind of theme at the moment. My eyes focus on pictures engraved upon my heart as I see the dark night filled with anguish. You stood hesitantly there, paused with head bowed before the fall. No sound until the splash that broke the night. Down to the depth and mud below, there you rested from all your pain, no failure there or blame. I see this picture in my eyes, I was not there at the time, but now it replays again and again. I feel the cold that you must have felt. See the darkness in your heart now. All I have left is a thought of who to blame. I carve his name upon his door, saying he lies a murderer of my love. I smear it with the blood from my veins and lie down in my pain. I wait until he does appear, 
Then I slide upright and stare into his dark brown eyes, the man that wrecked my true love's life. I pull a knife from in my pocket and slice his chest in precise precision and carve his heart out from its nest. He took my heart, <clears throat> now I take his. Well, thank you, Christine. I I'm never gonna mess with you ever after that. Yeah. that was terrifying, <laughs> but in a good way. Um, yeah. So now we're gonna go to Tuesday. Oh, what a dummy! Hi. Annie, you're milking this. I've never had anyone write me a poem before, aren't you? Because <laughs> well, I've also wrote one for Andy recently as well. <laughs> so when that happened, it was the first one. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I've been shielding throughout all of this, and I still am, so it just means I'm really vulnerable to the virus, and I'm not allowed to do a lot of things that a lot of other people are. And, um, I've lost a lot of friends throughout it, but I've also made some really good friends along the way, and Andy's included in that because, like, it's just nice. We've been sharing our poems with each other and got to know each other through our writing, which is, like, I think a really special thing. So I wrote him a poem and explored the whole it. And, uh, <laughs> and I went with writing a, a pantoum. It's called Empathetic Umbrella. When you lend me your empathetic umbrella, connecting our cognitive novellas, always think of me in yellow. Cover me under its high-pitched hollow. Warm me with your messages. Always think of me in yellow. Smooth my prickles with your passages. Warm me with your messages. Carve my lips skyward with your wit and cheer. Smooth my prickles with your passages, soothing me with your words sincere. Carve my lips skyward with your wit and cheer. The warmth of your medicinal verse comes, soothing me with your words sincere. A reciprocal appetite rolls off our tongues. The warmth of your medicinal verse comes, dripping into blank pages and, sorry, blank messages and empty pages. A reciprocal appetite rolls off our tongues, filling delicious notebooks that light up our faces. Dripping into black, blank messages and empty pages. A comfortable pouring of solitude in our voice notes, filling delicious notebooks that light up our faces. Freedom to sulk in gentle... A comfortable pouring of solitude in our voice notes, connecting our cognitive novellas. Freedom to sulk in gentle trustworthiness. We hold hope when you lend me your empathetic umbrella. Very mm. right. Keeping on the uh, theme of being shielding throughout all of this, I haven't been able to experience even going to a shop since March. Oh, it's crazy. So Jesus. when I eventually am able to, like a screen at the till is going to be like really alien to me. It's sort of like learning a whole new world. Um, but I jumped out of my shielded little bubble for a moment the other day mentally and thought about what it would be like for all the people that I've seen taking advantage and not actually sticking to the restrictions mm -hmm. and sort of thinking to myself how would I feel if I was them and then got contacted by track and trace mm -hmm. and I decided to write a poem about it 
a poem from contact tracer. My contact tracer is paid more than my nurse, a customer facing role, but with less sensitivity and empathy. My contact tracer follows me from the comfort of their home. No need for PPE, routine COVID tests or loose change for the car parking fees. My contact tracer has no fear of getting the virus at work, asymptomatically taking it home to give to their family. My contact tracer sifts through my data, silently judging me. There are fine lines between privacy, safety and security. My contact tracer sees the red lion's name countlessly, supporting our community hub whilst meeting my social needs. My contact tracer lists the shops, wondering if every visit was essential. The all-important plant, puzzle, PJs, paint, makeup and milk, you know, the fundamentals. My contact tracer's mouth waters when they see the restaurants I've frequented. With pride, I did my best to truly help out. My contact tracer travels hundreds of miles to list the attractions. Months of out the office on furlough, I needed that holiday, like really needed it. My contact tracer has worked out my daily exercise and is now inside, back in the gym. I was told my lockdown pounds made me carry more risk, so I must make myself more trim. My contact tracer silently judges me as they watch my contact list grow and grow, a tangled web for them to unravel and follow. And then I've got one more, which is actually quite nice because it sort of gets away from the whole COVID crap. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, so just to end it on a light note, this is my Saturday love. It was just a thing, a fling, you see. That's the thing. The sun rises and then it sets. It feels like life was your kiss, leaving me alone in our bed. Nothing but butterflies in my head. So I walk here, then I set them free. And when I, went, when I want to be alone, my feet always guide me back. Yet today you're here, reminding me of what could be. Reflecting sunlight strobes, rhythmical disco lights dancing on the ripples of the stream. The flowing dance floor where our hips once fused together as the moss to the granite where we sit. And we listen to the trees whispering memories of our intoxicated dreams. I wonder, where did you wake up this morning? Because the sunlight is fractured across our sheets, indented where you used to sleep, reminding me you're gone. And I never thought my Saturday love would sparkle before my eyes again. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I really kind of, as much as I loved it, and I've loved everything so far, please nobody else have a poem about me. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not used to this level of attention, but actually, no, like that—that that sounded a bit dickish. I'm, oh, no. I haven't been having like the best of times recently, like with work and shit. So like, it means a lot to me that he's a boss, boss and that. And like, so, so thank you. Um, yeah. Um, uh, you're gonna be wanting me to read one that's called "Who's That Jody Bastard?" Then, won't you? Ah, so. <laughs> uh, no, I actually would. I would genuinely want to hear that. That sounds. That sounds great. I have it. I just made that up. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe next time. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we are actually gonna go to Finn, who sadly isn't gonna read that one. <laughs> I'll work on that one for the next time. Right. Okay. It's been. It's been. This is new shit that you know. Is just some of the old shit that I've just found from donkeys ago. I've no dates on this one. 
And don't take this personally, folks. This one's called I'd Rather Play for England. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the way you treat your men with disdain and lack of respect. You stay aloof from all their smiles and make them feel like rejects. I've seen the state your lovers leave, not one looking happy yet. I'd rather play for England than spend a night with you. I'd rather walk a thousand miles than be party to your fateful wiles. I'd rather be buried in the sand than believe what you say is true. I've seen the way your friends turn out. That's no way for a human to behave. Leaving them quivering nervous wrecks as idolize the slaves. I want to live for a long, long time, not end up in a mental grave. I'd rather play for England than end up in your book. I'd rather vote conservative than receive a second look, and I'd rather live in a right wing than wait for you to bring me down. Right wing town, that should be, than wait for you to bring me down. Okay, this next one is um, is called Wait. You wake up in the morning with the sun in your eyes. Who's that girl in your bed, much to your su- wife's surprise? Go down to the kitchen, cook something for you both to eat. And very soon an MP will have lost their country seat. <laughs> it's all over in a flourish. The business is done. The smiling face that donors with a tattoo on his bum. <sighs> no one looks at his medallion. We've seen it all before. Your wife wants no explanation as he walks right out the door. A tabloid reporter walks by, cameras in hand. Listen, dear, I'll tell you, the boss will understand. You'll read it in the papers, page one, column two. The blonde hair on your pillow is enough to make you stew. The grass is never greener, far away from home. The noise of bells still ringing constantly from your phone. Trials and tribulations, the pressures you must bear. How dare they criticize and say that you don't care? Was that breast you slept on warm, fresh, and tender, soft? You didn't realize how the hypocrites would scoff. It's no surprise that your true companion decided then to leave. There is no one else around you, is there, to listen to you grieve? Your career is torn and shattered. The future is forlorn. You hope that when the blonde left you, your marriage could be reborn. The future, though, is uncertain. Your vision's so unclear. You'll be alone forever. One night has cost you dear. (laughs) That's all I have just now. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Thanks, Steph. So next, we're going to go to Ken. Hello, folks. Um, yeah, all the poems I'm going to do tonight were written as a result of uh, being involved in the allographic writing workshoppy things uh, on a Sunday afternoon. And uh, hang on a minute. Yes. Uh, the first one, I'll just call it up, uh, comes from a silver leaf prompt, which was uh, a quote from. Uh, Jane Austen's Persuasion. The quote is, I am half agony, half hope. And the resulting poem goes like this. Today, I am half agony, half hope. And that's, I guess, a kind of balance, no? To be in total thrall to either state would be unhealthy. 
is unhealthy, let's be honest. You're no stranger to extremes. Which means, well, what? They've got the dosage right at last, for now? And if they have, how long will now be this time round, or next? Would Ladbrokes give me odds worth even half an each-way bet? Don't ask me, pet. Today I am half agony, half hope. Let that suffice. Thank you. Um, I should have said, um, by the way, for those who don't live in the UK, the, uh, the the name I quoted there is the name of a firm of bookmakers who are a big big national firm. You know, you can bet on the horses or the dogs or anything you like. Uh, right, the next one. Yes, now this also comes from a Silverleaf prompt. It's a picture prompt. So um, can somebody uh, allow me to share screen, please? Erin or Andy, could you allow me to share screen, please? I think Erin's trying. Oh, okay. Oh, right sweet. There we go. Okay, let me find it. There, I hope you can see. We have a picture of two people in a cafe looking up at uh, a map of South America on the wall. One of them has a coffee mug and the other person has a uh, a teapot and a teacup. And this is the poem that uh, came out of that image. It's called A Map of South America. Well, this is awkward. I had it all planned out. Casual catch up. You with coffee, me with tea. The venue, quiet, unhurried vibe. And crucially, well off the beat of anyone we know might see us accidentally the day and time, made sure we'd both be free all afternoon, had nowhere urgent else to be. It all had to be right, for you, of course, but mostly, yes, uh, I guess, for me. I had this thing to say, you see, about the way things are, or, or maybe, possibly, you know, could be, between the two of us, uh, you and me? Yeah, obviously. Though mostly about how your eyes make me forget how words are supposed to work and how that doesn't matter anyway to someone half in agony, half glee. But before we'd even ordered, you were talking so excitedly about this time next month and where by then you're going to be. You pointed at the map. They have a lot of coffee there, you joked, you know, like in the song and laughing smiled at me. So I smiled too, with you, for you, and sipped my tea. Mm. Thank you, darlings. Now, how do I, oh yes, stop sharing. That's what I do. Thank you. Um, one final poem. Um, this one came from, uh, it's called a bibliomancy exercise, um, which is where you take a passage chosen at random from a book, usually uh, a, not an arty book at all, often a technical manual or a history of something. Uh, and then you use that as your springboard. And on this occasion, uh, Beth um, picked out, or we picked out uh, two completely different passages. One was from a book on gardening in winter, 
which talked about the beneficial effects of um, soil bacteria and how they can apparently trigger the production of serotonin in a gardener. And the other one was uh, a book about municipal planning and council housing, which um, featured a passage about a set of statues on the Thames Embankment at Bermondsey of a Dr. Alfred Salter. And the resulting poem is called Dr. Salter's Dream. Bench sore by years and bored past tears of being forever stuck, worse luck, around the clock outside his favorite pub, but never in it. Street bestatued Alfred Salter dreams all day of flower beds and muddy trousered rummagings, of sinking grateful fingers into cool, damp, yielding earth. Craves the serotonin dose that only close proximity to wriggly bug-rich, microblade-laden, fresh-turned loam can loose. Meanwhile, six feet down beneath a smarter part of town, the mortal Alf, or all now be left of him, knows no such discontent. What need of mood-enhancing hormones when your soil itself? That's that one. And just before I go, I'd, I'd just like to mention that um, after I'd written the poem, I did a little bit of research on Dr. Salter. And I discovered, uh, now I didn't knew nothing about this when I wrote it, I discovered that he was a bacteriologist, that um, when uh, he and his wife Ada, when they had their daughter Joyce, he dug up the backyard of their little house in Bermondsey and turned it into a garden with flower beds. And uh, when uh, he was buried, um, some years after he was buried, his grave was, um, was relocated to Camberwell Old Cemetery, which, although not exactly posh, uh, is several notches up the scale from Bermondsey. So it was indeed a smarter part of town. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, folks, thanks very much. I'm done. Wow. Thanks, Ken. What? Um, who wants to go next? Um, me? I, I could go next if you want. Yeah, sweet. Go for it. Okay. Um, so, uh, as I was saying to everyone in the chat beforehand, um, I left my phone in an Uber today. Um, I am getting it back, but I don't have it right now. So normally what I would do with this is I would read poems off my phone, but I don't actually have the phone's hand to do that. So can everyone still hear me? Can, can everyone still hear me? Say, say, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Because I'm actually reading something off the tablet that I'm doing this on so I can't see anyone else at this point so um, this is from England is the enemy um, I wrote this around about a little bit shortly after um, the last American election um, this is a, a prose piece called Donald Trump is not as other men um, and it begins with a quote from a Politicus USA um, which is Trump says, freedom of the press must go because he's not like other people. It's true, though. Mr. Trump is not like other people. Other people can take criticism without turning into a whining, petulant, idiot man-child. 
other men are not so desperate to impress other men that they'll giggle like a schoolgirl and start making up bullshit about grabbing pussies when, frankly, Donald, any woman who takes one look at you knows you're the kind of overgrown boy who needs to be falling down drunk to get up the courage to fuck. Other people are smart enough to know when they're in over their heads and not blinded by literal self-love to the extent that they cannot acknowledge even the smallest vulnerability for fear of being unmasked as entirely impotent, with the result that they become hypersensitive to any slight and lash out feebly at the pettiest infraction. Other people can watch the cook that his wife and her lover without feeling a deep spiritual kinship with Michael Gambon's Albert Speaker. Other people look less dignified when you photoshop their faces onto Baron Harkonnen or Jabba the Hutt. Other people pay their taxes. Other people give their lives in wars men like you start, despite your family's wealth protecting you from horror. Other people suffer while you masturbate, giggling atop your golden throne. Mr. Trump is not like other people, not at all. Other people you see are only human, and Mr. Trump is so much less than that. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and this is, um, this poem is called 90 Grand, and it's another poem that I wrote shortly after the election. Um, it's about a woman called uh, Jennifer Boyle, who was kind of one of the first Karens, I guess, because she was filmed sort of having a, a rant against a, a, a worker in a, a takeaway or a shop. Um, and she claimed in this rant that she made $90,000 a year. But uh, by the end of the day, when video of this was on the internet, people discovered she was unemployed. Um, and I've put in the, the notes to this that perhaps $90,000 was the value Ms. Boyle placed on what W.B. Du Bois called the psychological wage of whiteness. She says that she makes 90 grand a year as if this makes her something more than flesh. As if... This is Judy. Judy's going to be working with me as well tonight. Which will be Who's talking? Yeah. Um, so should we do your interview? Okay. She says that she makes 90 grand a year as if this makes her something more than flesh. As if the woman serving her is less by virtue of her lower hourly rate, as if the ones who wait are willed to serve by something more than just dumb fucking luck, as if the force that wills the gap she claims to shout across were anything like just. She says that she makes 90 grand a year. She claims to be the victim, claims to be the target of some fantasy campaign. She says the man she voted for has won, so there. She says we should look at who won. So there she says, we should look at who won. She says that she makes 90 grand a year. She says the man she voted for has won, attacks as traitors those who intervene, rants tinnily from my computer screen, while in another open tab, I read her previous employer say it's been six months since she was sacked. Her social sites name no employer currently. She says the man she voted for has won. She claims that she makes 90 grand a year. By nine that night, her LinkedIn site is down. And that's the last of the one. Thank you. And uh, I'm going to finish with uh, 
a poem that I've done on here before, but it's a it's a poem about being angry at America, and it's just it just feels like um, it feels like the right time to do it. So this is called Letter to a Minnesota Prison. Your check bounced, CC. That was held against you. They said it showed the content of your character. They never said a word about the swastika tattooed on the body of the man they say you murdered, or the fact he yelled go back to Africa, though you were as American as he was. They talked about your check, not the one King tried to cash in Washington, dated 7476, that said all men are created equal. In school they say for men read people, but we know that isn't true. For men read white, for men read male assigned at birth and happy to be so. For men read Thomas Jefferson, fathering children on his slaves. For men read Hoover, closeted, obsessed with sin and plague. For men read Ronald Reagan, for men read James Earl Ray. For men read us, you killer's eyes. The eyes of those who beat Crane Conway to death, who shot Deone Jones, who gagged Rosita Hidalgo, slit, stabbed her body, slit her throat, who shot Coco Williams, who shot Tyrrell Jackson, who shot Paige Clay in the face, who shot Brandy Martell, who burned Lorena Escalera's house down, choking her with smoke, who shot Tracy Johnson again and again, who stabbed Tiffany Gooden again and again, who shot Deja Jones, who shot Kendall Hampton, who put a gun to Kyra Cordova's head and pulled the trigger American eyes, looked down those barrels. American lives flashed by in the light of those blades. These are only the murders in 2012. These are just the American names, and they are black names and Latino names, the kind that whites turn down when they are written on CVs that they insist will need, that we insist will need ID when passing checks, which if they bounce, prove criminality, the willingness cold-bloodedly to kill a man. White names can get away with murder. Look at Zimmerman. They say he was frightened. Well, what about you? They say he was threatened. Weren't you threatened too? He carried a gun and you only had scissors, but they read him as white and he wasn't transitioning and so occupied a much safer position in the hierarchy they say isn't there. White, straight, and cis beats black, trans, and queer. They said all men created equal. They told us for men read people, but we were read wrong when we came into the world. Black or white name, they branded boy on us. To be named is to be destroyed, to be entered in the register of births to be erased. We spend our lives like Virginia, dragging around our colonial names, the names on the murder reports, the obituaries. That day in the car when I could barely breathe, I gasped to my ex as she drove me to hospital, make sure they use the right words at my funeral. Did you think that, Cece, when you were attacked? When the truth of who we are conflicts with their facts, their records, their papers, their burden of proof falls on us and we can't testify when we're dead. It's a double bind. Die and your corpse gets misgendered, fight back and be sentenced for having defended your life. We aren't the ones stand your ground laws intend to protect. They expect us to dutifully beat a retreat from abuse. Blessed, they say, are the meek, but how many times, Stacey? If you turn the other cheek, how many times can we just walk away, avoid causing trouble, keep playing it safe till we finally decide that we just cannot take it. You didn't attack. You talked back, remonstrated. And in taking that act, Cece, you demonstrated what they hate most of all, calm and reasoned defiance, satyagraha, soul force. They met it with violence. 
as they did in Birmingham, Selma and Memphis. It's true you fought back, that you offered resistance, but comfy white cis folks who style themselves pacifists have no clue what the stakes are. The gunshots which kill us are silenced. You fought, who wouldn't, in fear of their life, and you won. That's why they hate you, CC. You survived. Thank you for your time. Cheers. Thank you, Widger. Um, that, that that final one that you did there, um, I've heard it a few times. It's definitely one of my favourite pieces that I've just in general. Um, that that is, I don't know what it was, but that is far and away the best that I've heard you do it. I don't I don't know if everyone else feels that way, but for me personally, that was yeah, Thank like you. that was awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers. Um, so. What we're going to do is we're going to go to Skylar now and then after that I think we're going to take like a 10, 10 minute break probably um, and then during our time, quickly mention this, if we can try and sort out an order in the chat for the next half that would be cool, if we can't, fuck it, I'll wing it, it's fine, it's all good, but yeah, um, yeah, so um, yeah, this is going to be awesome, I'm really looking forward to this, um, Skylar. Oh, still muted. Shit. My bad. Is that better? Can everyone hear? Yeah, there you go. Alright, thank you. Um, so, yeah, I had no idea what to do tonight because I've just kind of lost track of what I've been doing. Um. But yeah, there seems to be a bit of a political bent going on. So I've got one that takes a bit of the piss out of Donald Trump. And, um, and then another one that's probably applicable to um, countries everywhere by the sounds of things, but it's, um, it was, it's, you know, I'm Australian, so it was kind of to do with our Australian situation. Uh, the first one's called Feckless Neophyte. Writer's plague is blocking all the things I want to say about all the stuff that makes me crazy every fucking day. Talking about myself may seem a little narcissistic, but it's the only topic I can think of that can be covered in very few minutes, given the lack of anything life-changing to impart, unlike all the other topics that are tearing this world apart. Now those, those need serious time and wordsmithing, and I'm just some blue-haired Aussie chick capable of tackling the occasional sticky topic, but incapable of doing it in less than 20 minutes. I mean, us Aussies, we like to have a chat, mate. Give it to you straight, mate. And certainly will not tolerate a post-recital brute conversation about mixed metaphors, imagery, and cleverly placed alliteration. Now, a poem on Donald Trump wouldn't take up much time. It would read, feckless neophyte at the end and contain no reason or rhyme, which seems a giant waste of everybody's time. So let's get back to my list, which simply involves pulling the piss, which is what us Aussies do best. One, I'm Skylar J. Winter. I have PTSD, which means in situations like these, my brain tends to freeze, which means poetry I've committed to memory fades into obscurity and accessible momentarily by my mouth. And so I read. Two, I like to fuck a lot. Fuck, fuckity. No, stop. I like to say fuck a lot. Fuck, fuckity, fuck. Sometimes feckity, feck out of respect for my mother. Fucking love her. Three, 
I have discovered how and when to use a word that rhymes with runt, how to team it up with other words so the meaning is brut brut brutally blunt. And what's not to like about a word that describes a warm, safe haven? You can bury yourself to the hilt in until your brain explodes with moon-bending endorphins, at least. That's what my husband says, and he's a middle-aged, heterosexual, privileged boomer white guy, so everything he says is right. Don't argue with that. I tried. Now, here comes the twist, a list within a list, just in case you miss the gist of the original list, and who doesn't like a twist? A. Poems on important topics need a feature-length time frame. B, any discussion dissecting poetry is clearly insane. And C, feckless neophyte is a two-word flash fiction, if only Donald Trump was the same. Uh, anyway, oh, it's, man, the, it's so stumbling words. I'm so tired and it's... Um, it's been an early morning. Anyway, next one is called Q and No A, and this is in my book, Pieces of Humanity, which was just released. I'm not sexist, racist, elitist, or baby boomer. I'm not a unigrad, homophobic, Gen Y, or X, or Zoomer. A computer is the only thing that asks if I'm robotic. What I truly am is bewildered by a country gone psychotic. The fact that I must state these things before I even start indicates the rapid rate this place is falling apart. I mean, why is junk food cheap, yet its cost on health extreme? Why is welfare on the rise and our homeless statistic obscene? Why is tax on ciggies huge, but small on sugar and fat? Why is good food so expensive? It's medicine. That's a fact. Why are kids of 10 living on our streets when we're the lucky nation? Refugees flock to us in fleets. Why are we mining our resources and exporting them still raw for other countries to value add and sell them back at 10 times more? And why are we not forging infrastructure that bestows intrinsic self-sufficiency on our nation as it grows? Not value adding to resources because we can't compete is short-sighted, destabilizing and reeks of political deceit. And what about our oldies? The ones who made this country great. They went to war, did it tough. They're always ready to help a mate. They're living it up in nursing homes, underfunded by their pensions, earned with 50 years of hard work, low pay and honest intentions. Yeah, they're having a great time. Most get to shower every day. There's the odd bit of cruelty, but generally, it's okay. Don't blame the government. They're not paid to be long-sighted. Three years is all they've got to fix what the previous government blighted. I mean, how could they foresee there'd be no money to take care of the aged? They couldn't possibly have known a war on obesity would have to be waged. I mean, who knew sugar and fat eaten in quantities huge will cause a health crisis of diabetes and a heart disease deluge? Why are we selling our land and water for countries with no allegiance? Why aren't we invested in protecting all our resources with expedience? Why aren't we playing the long game to build a strong and healthy nation? Why aren't we demanding the best for our deserving population? Why are we settling for less than the great country we can be? Why aren't we by united by social outrage instead of apathy? Thank you. That was, yeah, it was fucking awesome. Like, I've never seen you perform before. I don't think. Okay. That was, that, yeah, that was, that was really fucking good. <laughs> so on that, and thanks for coming because it's like crazy fucking early there, right? Um, well, it's not now. It's five o'clock in the morning now. But I thought it was. I get the whole um, 
daylight saving thing mixed up. So when there's an event on Facebook, my calendar automatically sorts it out for me. But when I have to work it out for myself, I always fuck it up. So yeah, so I was up at was like <laughs> three o'clock and it wasn't. So <laughs> I'm just... Thanks for thanks for coming though. That was that was awesome. No worries, it's great. You guys are great fun. Um, also, please put put like um, the information about the book in the chat as well if you can. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. sweet. Thank you. Um, yeah, so we're gonna go on a break now. Let's see what's everyone thinking. Quarter past or yeah, sweet. We'll come back at quarter past then, um, and then. After that, we're going to have Generalissimo, Beth, me at the minute, unless someone else wants to jump in, and then we'll sort it from there. So yeah, just come back a quarter past. Can I unmute? Yes, you can. Alright, I have them out of the board. You guys are listening to the Altacast here on Mutiny Radio. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. I've been joined in the last hour by Andy Talbot. Erin Gannon, she's around, she's just hiding. Uh, we're going to be right back after 10 minutes. We're going to do some commercials here on Mutiny Radio. And we'll be back with more poetry. I have some poetry about zombies. Oh, yeah. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> As the world gets wackier and less predictable in every way, it is more important than ever for us to all remember our roots. We wouldn't be here today if our ancestors hadn't had the capacity and the skills to take care of themselves and their communities using the resources in the natural world around them and their own two hands. My name is Wonia Thibault of Buckskin Revolution and Alone Season 6, and I started Buckskin Revolution not just to empower people with a wider range of skills to meet their basic needs, but also to inspire them with a sense of fulfillment and connection that comes with living a little closer to the earth and using our bodies, our minds, and our very DNA for what they evolved to do, to help us thrive without the need for modern technology and industry. If that sounds appealing to you, I hope you'll join me for the Fall 2020 Buckskin Revolution Online Skills Gathering, an eight-week learning experience designed to work within any schedule. It involves pre-recorded classes, live interactive sessions, and online community learning support from both myself and your fellow students. The need for these skills has never been more pressing, and Buckskin Revolution is working hard to bring them to you. I hope you can join us. Get connected with yourself and the world around you at buckskinrevolution.com. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be 
Like in front of an audience? Like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead passengers? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> My name is Jackie Fielder. I'm an indigenous, Latina, and queer educator. I've stood up to fossil fuel companies, Wall Street lobbyists, and racist police unions, and won. Now I'm running for state senate and standing up to the most real estate-backed politician in California. Changing times call for new leaders with bolder visions of our future. That means real rent and mortgage cancellation, an indigenous wildfire task force, expanded public school funding, a Green New Deal for California, single-payer health care, defunding the police, and reinvesting in communities, saving public transportation, and taxing the wealthy. And you know I can deliver because I am the only candidate to reject both direct contributions and indirect support from real estate interests, charter school advocates, law enforcement unions, rideshare and car companies, billionaires, and fossil fuel interests. 2020 is the year that we take back our district, our state, and our country for working people. Please vote Jackie Fielder for State Senate by November 3rd. I am Italian, and we brought you fascismus with Mussolini, and before that, the Romans. So if you think you live in a fascist country, well, you do. Antitrump.com is the antivirus to the Trump virus. It started in 2016 with two sketches and a dream for a better America. No one thought it would be this bad. He was a 70-year-old yammering nimrod. How bad could it possibly be? We are now in a global pandemic without adequate leadership. Individual politics are not important. We need to rally behind curing the Trump virus. Go to antitrump.com. You, poetry reader, this is Bjork's sister, Mjork. It's okay, we also have a soul and a weekly poetry reading on Mutiny Radio's AltaCast. Zoomed every Wednesday at high noon from Glasgow, Scotland. One of our co-hosts from Choose Poetry, Choose Life, Andy Talbot, has a new poetry chapbook, Old Wounds new skin which is available at analogsubmission.com now go buy it and don't let poets lie to you once again that's andy talbot's new poetry chapbook old wounds new skin available at analogsubmission.com uh, uh, uh. 
I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... Uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch of lava manages our national lava resources to ensure that we will always have a steady supply of lava to operate the nation's active volcanoes, which in turn power our cities and methamphetamine labs. As a matter of national security, we need to reduce our dependence on foreign lava, which means an expansion of domestic lava drilling. As your chancellor, I will build lava wells all over the country as well as secure access to more lava fields by invading Hawaii. Imagine orange gold spurting out from school playgrounds on the Great Plains and illuminating the Nebraska sky like fireworks on the 4th of July. Magma oozing over the rolling hills of Kentucky. Volcanic ash settling gently over homes in New England like fresh gray snow. Global lava markets to continue to be dominated by terriblest regimes like Iceland, Chile, and the Philippines. Vote for my opponent, who sits in their back pocket as comfortably as Pahoehoe on the slopes of Kilauea. If you want the United States to stay competitive in the era of peak lava and beyond, then take a chance on the Chancellor. also based on a poem by a local San Francisco uh, poet named Pan Benjamin. She wrote an absolutely lovely piece for the Poets 11 series. It's called Lot's Wife. 
goes out to Megan Lynch.
Poetry Choose Life with your host cool. Andy Talbot and Erin Gannon's here now too. She's chilling out. We've been listening to all the cool poetry. We've got more for you. I've got some zombie poems for a little later. All right, Andy, take it away. Hi. Um, so yeah, we're gonna go to Generalissimo now. Um, Can I record? Is there a way? Can you let me record? Uh, I don't know how it works. Erin would know more. Okay. <laughs> You want to record this? Well, why not? Is that possible? You know what? If it's too if it's too complicated, I don't. Well, I, don't... I mean, it's it's not complicated at all. It's just like Pam's recording it. Right. I was like, just gonna say that. Um, you're being recorded on MutinyRadio.fm. We stream live, and then I also put the podcast out after, so you can time stamp oh, I didn't it. Know that, so I can, yeah. Can you give me copies of those podcasts? They're all on the internet. Like... They're all at MutinyRadio.fm. They all exist well, well, online. I need that information. Okay, go yeah. Let, let me let me um, we'll, stop wasting time. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Back to generally Get to some poetry real quick. Okay, let's see what we got here. Um, let's uh, start with my political shit, okay? Because everybody else is doing their political shit. Okay. Common sense has drowned in Lake Michigan. A sheriff <laughs> in Michigan claimed militiamen who own multiple military-style guns weren't planning to kidnap Michigan's governor hold a mock trial and execute her, but instead conduct a citizen's arrest and hand her over to authorities, as if she's not the governor and authority. But because a con man who conned his way into the White House demoted her via Twitter to that woman, refused to condemn white supremacists and armed militias who use the same guns as drug dealers, terrorists, and mass shooters, and tweeted, liberate Michigan, the governor of Michigan is no longer governor in the minds of those militiamen. Okay, that was about when they... Were they planning to do all that crap to the governor of Michigan? Yay. Don't I live in a wonderful country? Okay. When this is a bit of microfiction, and I have to state that it is fiction, or the Secret Service will come after me. So, uh, when Giuliani generated lies about laptops sound like lies, but lies about Trump sound like the truth. A former high-level White House official in the president's inner circle has reported to the Fox News Network that if President Trump wins, he plans to replace George Washington on the $1 bill with himself. An illegal tape of the president that was taped without his permission has been making the rounds in Washington, D.C. to quote Donald J. Trump. Well, George has Porter, and he never was the star of a top-rated reality show. Plus, his false teeth were made of wood, but mine are made of ivory that came from an elephant. My boys legally hunted at a very exclusive elephant sanctuary and hunting club in Texas. Thank you, and that mm -hmm. is all. 
Wow. It sounds true, though. Should not be the perfect gift Scott Jr. to give, give Daddy so that he can be he can be above Ivanka, but that'll never happen. Um, let's see. Let me trying to find the right pieces here for the rest of this. Okay. Um, this is called Why Samuel Harris Pap Linus Sentenced Several Woodpeckers to Death by Guillotine. My Uncle Sam's yard existed in a Tucson desert. One of his neighbors had a burrow that often hollered for no reason at all. Uncle Sam claimed it was the reincarnation of the late Minnie Pearl. Bobcats and roadrunners were visible through his sliding glass door past the stone-piled patio from his tastefully furnished mid-century modern den. Mesquite trees looked like a living driftwood art installation when bare. The proud saguaro cacti resembled an Alvin Ailey troop in mid-dance. When woodpeckers arrived as mm -hmm. if they were hired by Hitchcock to peck the saguaros down to their skeletons, Uncle Sam called them cactus murderers and said they deserved the guillotine. This is called How Appropriate a Birthday Present is an Alarm Clock. My nephews gave me an alarm clock for my birthday. Their father, my brother, accidentally threw mine away when he hitchhiked from Georgia to Maine aboard a jet blue plane to help me fill two shipping container pods in my front yard with my perishable past. Two, the new clock is set with the atomic clock. As a result, I had nightmares of mushroom clouds exploding in my bedroom with the neighbors ooing and eyeing at my acumen for irresponsibility. When I hit the snooze button, the time gets projected on the ceiling in red. I believe my brother's way to telepathically paint, paint red rum, red rum on my bathroom mirror. In college, I had a Mickey Mouse bell alarm clock that screamed like Carol Kane in When a Stranger Calls. There, there is no alarm clock currently manufactured by the Alarm Clock Consortium Cartel Conspiracy with a noise loud enough to wake me rather than make me hit my pillow one more time. It doesn't take long to become immune to the beep buzz or high-pitched noise or whatever and have to buy a new alarm clock. Therein lies the conspiracy. Thank you. Uh, this is called Ain't No Sun Up in the Sky. The southern main sun is, if nothing else, pervasive. It lives for 62-degree November afternoons. It uses snow to create both beauty and blindness. It warms spring soils to feed recurring bee balm and bachelor button. It tells black flies to come out and sting the human being. It alerts mockingbirds when honeysuckles and nasturtium are in bloom. It warms the Atlantic for summer swims. It paints shadows on rocky beaches and cobblestone streets. It never leaves us alone. It hires the moon as a cheap nighttime substitute. Other stars have tried out for the gig, but fans love what they like, a jazz standard that breaks through stormy weather and nurtures nature boys. It is everywhere every single second. It only pretends to set. Um, is there time for one more, Miss? Ms. Ms. Aaron? Andy? Mm-hmm. There is time for one more. Well, yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, this is called The Secret to Surviving Sinkholes. It seemed to happen so organically. I decided to stay in bed more than five minutes, then 10 minutes, then an hour, and so on and so forth. Tears happened. 
for no discernible reason, out of the blue, without warning, without trigger. Without help, I would have stayed in bed. This sudden sadness didn't just happen, it manifested. It was waiting in the wings to throw me the worst kind of surprise party. No people, no presents, no cake, but plenty of candles to burn down my life, my self-esteem, my self-worth. Without help, I would have accepted the storyline the bed told me that it was the safest place for my existence. But a bed that talks is the voice of depression. And depression can act like a cul-de-sac sinkhole that sucks in a car parked on the street, consumes a fire hydrant, takes a bite of sidewalk, then attacks a front yard, working its way up the walkway to the front door. It politely rings the doorbell before swallowing the door. A family of four and two dogs have to escape through the backyard, abandon everything they own, even cars, because the sinkhole expanded westward, engulfing the driveway. The inestimable speed of a sinkhole acts like depression when the word chemical is bandied about by a doctor. But no words used by doctors are bad words. Some words are just crutches, something temporary till the person who listens to their bed instead of their head starts recognizing the existence of their heart their skin, their hair, their soul. Their peripheral vision is hampered by a hoodie the bed gave them as a gift at the surprise party that surprisingly never ended. But now, the owner of the bed has asked for help. I have learned I can yell surprise at the bed. Get up and walk away. Gracias, everyone. that Alvin Ailey cut deep cut with that Alvin Ailey in that second to last poem Badass. oh the cactus just but that you that, that you mentioned Alvin Ailey I'm like oh my god deep cut that's rad just really great detail well you know that's what they look like they look like they're dancing when you look at the cactuses you know all 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 those plant lives they 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 look like they're people in their own way Thank you, Pam. Thank you, Generalissimo. Um, so we're going to go to Beth now. Thanks. Um, I've got a form poem for you first. No politics from me. There's been enough going on about politics for me this week. Um, so I'll be taking part in work as well as the routine workshops that Ken mentioned and um, we were messing about with some form stuff a couple of weeks ago and I introduced them to a form that I accidentally invented during NaPoRIMO in April. Um, so So I'm just trying to start. I've got to read it off my tablet tonight, so I'm going to pop over to that. <clears throat> Muppet. I was going to say, I was going to try and show you the shape. It ended up looking like a moth. Monday, this is called Monday Morning Mothra. Like pouring treacle. Feet sticky with fatigue, the weekend lingering, so speed, 
my brain asleep on the job in hand. Later, I realized changes progress. Prepare coming tiredness, comfort, and a warmness. I know what I'll need and next. Meals and supplies ready for the worst parts in advance. Begin. Trudging through the treacle drags on eyelids, skin and heavy shoes. From I snap bleary open to Alden in at nine. Me autumn squall and gust preparations I made watch me four by five. The day collapses into chairs and I drag myself to the sink and wash away the days and wait for seep in Okay. All right, let's try it this way. Yes, my crappy um I don't know why we've got, I've got I'm plugged into the booster Ken. I've got no idea what's going on. Um I'm actually going to read something that I wrote with the same prompt that Ken read from. Uh the bibliomancy from Emma Emma and I've named this after her book, which is about crafting through winter, and it's called Making Winter. I had forgotten. The motion of spade pressing through, the earth yielding, then resisting, where water hasn't, where the water hasn't reached. Touching the earth, the wild vein filled with worms and beetles busy at their works. The earth where we have harvested broken china, glass, and tiny toys, remnants of the 90 or so years where humans have and haven't made the green and growing a home, buried the evidence of living, lost treasures I have yet to find. Pushing determination before me in the shape of tree, I cover earth with cardboard, pot up and talk to small things, walk bricks to and fro. To weight down what I hope will become spring. With winter in my face, I dig up summer. Abundance now consigned to casseroles or compost. The earth bare once more, I stare. Dare I plant myself where water hasn't reached. For hope that I too will shoot. Leaves reaching through to sunlight. Sparking despite the chill. Grounding me in seasons and gently lifting my head. Um, my final one tonight is, is actually my, the Bibliomancy from Sunday, which came from uh, John Lewis Stemple's book, The Running Hair, which if you haven't read, is beautiful. And I heard it on the radio and I bought it because it was the hills and I missed hills because I live in a place where there aren't any words following my footsteps life spreading through my hand and weaving sentences in my mind before my pen can hit the paper there before I lift my mind assembling a murmuration I must catch before it dips, deforms, singing through my sight line, 
something hiding in the empty spaces, writing on blank driveways, singing into chimneys, whispering in thatch, giving voice to things that call and swoop and crawl into my fingers, making nests upon the page. Mm. Thanks, Beth. Um, yeah, so up next, I think we're going to go to Leslie. Um, I get notifications off a band that is based in Michigan because I really like them. It's actually this band on this hat, uh, and apparently, Biden's one Michigan. Ooh. That's pretty fucking good, right? That's fucking cool. You're fucking right, it is. <laughs> I don't know if it's like 100% official, but like it's literally trending. And like that, that band's tweeting that, yeah, so it looks good. So it looks good. Um, yeah, fuck Trump. Yeah, I mean, we should really. Yay. I mean, we should really be saying that every week, anyway. Let's be honest. Yeah. I saved mine up for today. Um, oh, Leslie can't unmute. That's not going to be good. If that's, you want the reason. That's because uh, he's he's oh, a dick. Trump's the biggest dick. He Thank doesn't know you. how to not be okay. a dick. Okay, that's so. That's it keeps two, saying. That's it, it keeps saying. Okay, I'm unmuted. Yay. <laughs> okay. Just, that's oh, 264 oh, yeah. electoral college votes so far. So that's fucking close. All he needs close. is... Biden has 264. That's awesome. Yeah. He only needs Nevada now to make the 270. He doesn't need Pennsylvania. Well, I just thought you said he only near, needs Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many electoral college yeah. votes Nirvana has. <laughs> <laughs> and are we talking the state like or the bank? I will now, I will now shut up. I thought the bank died a long time ago. <laughs> uh, oh, that's about yeah. I'm not. Hi, Leslie. <laughs> Hi. Okay, that was pretty. That was pretty cool. Okay, I've got some new shit. Um, I'll read the newest one. Um, yeah, it was the last last hurrah of the pubs, and so there there I was all day in the pub uh, writing poems. I, I know all the there and uh, sort of used to me. Um, so um, this one <clears throat> emerged in the pub. It's called A Tear at the Shoulder, the Bones of the Feet. Fragments undone slip free, tear on the shoulder. You let go and two, you fall. It was a fine dress fallen off the rack, following the path of those that went before. Careful. Why the care when no one else is, when no one else does? Broken how they travel these parts untracked, no longer whole once that were part invisible, putting up once, putting up twice, something. Now less than nothing. A tear at the shoulder, single release, released into what? It was a fine morning. I was to go. I was poised paused at the threshold, shy, not entering, that must go down, and I not ready, look up, needle found, the needle passed through the eye of the magic camel, rides you into oblivion, and you pieced back the 
together, patchwork quilt of my soul. I am not entering into any bargain, even with that angel I saw sitting on your shoulder. Not me, not this time, it is not my angel. I, raw, choose to remain unprotected, not hiding behind the mask or anyone, someone who would be kind anywhere in the bone, skeleton frame, my frame, younger, dancing had its way with me, with others, the life over rich, too much overburdening, burdening others, the weight on the small frame, I will not carry you. Feet light, still and agile, curve of the foot, curve of the mountains of Malaga as I walk over them. There is no pain, only the light that comes with sacrifice, curve of the foot, tear at the shoulder, say to me that I am gone. It's a totally a pub inspired poem, I would say. Anyhow, um, <laughs> the next one is writing a poem on writing a poem. Mm. Let the words as they form waft up and configure above me densely, composed, tangle, and as they begin to filter down, hover only a brief moment above, and begin to sift down onto me as rain, perhaps the drops of images, memories releasing as they touch down onto me, becoming language. No longer the rumblings in my head escape into the material world, making solid form visible and real to the touch. Each letter forms a word, which forms thought, which forms understanding. From my sense, inferior to yours, equal part of the spirit as body from which they emerged. Next one is, um, hmm. this one's quick, skip the chain. Skip the chain, it does not hold you, no binding agreement, no bounds, the thief always there waiting to snatch you, the brambles clutching, if you go down into it, if you allow, the labyrinth is there and it will have you. Put one foot, one thought in the direction of the taken, snatched ones, you throw out one crumb, one infinitesimal crumb that is visible to the eye that watches, the raven calls to the other, those the dark who circle aligned and in formation swoop down on you for you wings over the head this is the cycle this part of it this part there are other parts there are others those who watch carrying crows all imagine then not this but overstretched above you their wings as your canopy protective above shielding you from the shards of invasive sun you below on the gleaming throne on which you were placed. And remember your crown. You've got one and you are wearing it. And then last, <laughs> this one's called, um, this one is for Jean Cocteau, who I'm sure some of you know, uh, is a poet and also a filmmaker. And one of his most beautiful films is called The Beauty and the Beast. It's very gorgeous, black and white, gorgeous. And so, um, yeah, um, yeah, Jean Cocteau, he's very comforting. I'm counting one, two, three, and on. I will go further counting the hours of days. Fingers move, keeping time attuned to the signals and signal to each other. Finger, as it moves its own. 
moving as it will, yet keeping time and solidarity as one. Hand knows and moves as one. Eight fingers are the signal, messengers in silence when we cannot speak. Tides are clocked, water gathering to us to lick the shore, signal to us to each other keeping time. Count baby's toes, the hours of her day. She has 10. You can pause and we're thankful. He, the baby, has all toes and fingers, full and complete, nose sweet and well-formed, lips the tender blossom, purity of form, completion, life that is continued. You can pause and rest content. You can pause and rest content. We know in dreams from the other side, Liar plays, it calls to you sweetly. The mirror, reflection. Is it yours? You, the dark Orpheus, on the other side of the mirror, the other side where you are going, joining your dark bubble through the looking glass. Light one in the dark, enlightened being on the other side. On the other side, we know, awaits the melted box of Dali, checkerboard pattern floor of Chirico distorting perspective ad nauseum as it travels to the disappearing line of infinity. And cocktail, cocktail is there, the eyes embedded in the frame of the fireplace, the mantle, watch us as we pass, supporting the fire, arms coming from the walls, holding the candelabra to light our way as we move, arms move with us. The stuff of dreams, the stuff of our knowing, we can rest content in knowing when the counting of things is done, death is only the middle of time, it is said, not the end of time. Monstrous forms your imagination shapes of those demons in the night on the other side of the glass call to you, curious of us, curious among us, go and seek them. And what will you find but simply yourself as demon on the other side? Time divides us yet conquers all. We, the co-joined, the two sides, the dark, the light, into that which meets in the middle of the mirror, balance of dark and of light. It's all for my set. Thank you, Leslie. Thanks. That was awesome. I think, um, I think everyone in the chat wants you to do like an audio boot. <laughs> I think everyone, everyone would love that. <laughs> so, um, Pam, did you have another moment? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I was supposed to read these the other night, the other day, night, day for me, night for you, but I was so hungover. Like, it was rough. I was a zombie. I was a zombie. And I tried to get on the call and it wasn't happening. And then I guess it happened later. And I was just like, I'm too much of a zombie to do it. But these are the two poems I was going to do about zombies. Um, the first one's called Zombies. <laughs> All right. Uh, and it's supposed to be funny, sort of. Okay, here we go. My zombie ex fucks litter this city. I can't go to a bar anymore without rotten skin dripping into my whiskey, which is pretty fucking gross. Half-alive boys drag their feet down 19th Street. One is missing an arm. A tragic combine incident on the homestead left him for dead. And now he sips bullet through a straw. 
the ginger back babes his decaying gullet. He left a finger for a tip. I didn't even know one was undead until he lost his hand in my vagina. It just broke off at the wrist. So I slipped a condom around his bones and tried to come anyway. Oh, I did. <laughs> then left him for dead. My zombie ex fucks groan and foam from open sores. I'm sure they wouldn't tell you the story even if they could talk. Communication with a zombie is more difficult than you think. So I will get another drink. And get another drink. And get another drink. Because I can see past death if I'm drunk. Yay, that's the first one about zombies. La, la, la. Uh, this is the second one. Uh, it's called Zombies 2, T-O-O. I walked across the brick courtyard as a homeless lady screamed, My daughter has been dead for 20 days. Her face is falling off. And I was thinking about zombies and how the undead walk the streets right now among us. We are them. And no one cares who is really alive and who are just zombies walking across bricks, ignoring pigeons, and the dead girl without a face, and her mother who sleeps on the street eating her own hand for dinner. Ooh. Ah, those are my zombie poems. Yay. <laughs> cool. Okay. Yay. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Pam. Um, Pam, do me a favor. That first one, send me it. <laughs> that, was, that was fucking awesome. Yeah, you bet. Uh, there's a couple instances in it, too. Aaron might know. The Homestead is actually a bar on 19th Street in San Francisco in the Mission. And so that homestead line, it's specifically about a bartender that used to work there. Ugh, ugh 19th Street is just like a wash with ghosts and zombies for me. But yes, I will send you that poem. Yay! Thank you. Didn't you and I get really shit-faced there once after a game? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got 86 from there in, I think, like 2011 because I dated a bartender there and then... I, I, things went awry and then everyone's like you're 86 and I'm still to this day 86 like I still I can't even drink at their outside patio right now at the parklet they're like no I'm like how long is your memory like seriously, yeah like the turnover of the staff you'd think would have been like four or five times by now you would think yeah and the bartender guy moved to Mount Hood anyway he moved to Oregon he doesn't even live in San Francisco and I'm like why am I still 86 Okay. There's plenty of bars in San Francisco. <laughs> um, yeah, so next we're going to go to John. Okay. I'm unmuted. How about that? Okay. The geography of memory. Opportunity's legs stretch for miles and miles. Its marathon of school and work whipsaws me across North America, shattering friendships and community. 
On a sprint east, I detour to my boyhood home, that L-shaped house on Columbine Lane, and recall how I built model airplanes, B-17 Spitfire and ME-109, on a paint-splattered table in the chilly gray basement, the air smelling of glue and enamel thinner, subsisting on Reese's peanut butter cups, sci-fi cheese curls, and bad movies, I set world records for lack of sleep. Nights, I'd slide open the bedroom window facing the driveway, step onto juniper branches heavy with waxy blueberries, and rendezvous with Dinardo to play bazooka with bottle rockets and conduit pipe, as if suburban homes were king tigers overrunning the 101st Airborne. Later, in boots and purple jacket, I stood nighttime vigil outside Brenda's window while fantasizing some psychic embrace that would open the gates of manhood. Across Maple Avenue and through a maze of side streets squats the old high school that tortured me with six-period gym, so the winter wind froze my hair into icicles. That's being uncool. Starbucks replaced Gary's drugstore, the barber who cut my hair so short I covered my shame with a gallon of gel is gone, but the old railroad bridge still thunders terror from the bang and roar of overhead freights. I've walked these streets in memory for decades, searching for loves and adventures aborted by home leaving. In real life, I spend an hour. The magic that was those years, Vic's fake Russian accent, hanging out with Gene and Chaz at the bowling alley, and my girlfriend's job at the chicken place, now decayed to shopping malls and franchise blandness. My mother's ashes. She wanted them scattered in the Colorado mountains, so with burning eyes i drive her remains through blinding desert vegas utah to the place of my birth long dormant memories leech from my bones pure air scented with pine and sun-baked dust miles of tunnel cut through mountain the front range embracing the horizon green sinclair gasoline brontosaurus mica glittering in rocks my old aquamarine sleeping bag needle-like trout bones caught in my throat and smell of breakfast cooking on our brick grill no ceremony needed she was an atheist but she deserves more than the slapstick of my father's scattering searching searching for the right place the brown colorado river rushes between sheer metamorphic rock walls nowhere to stop only the boring flats have parking finally a turnout away from gawkers not perfect but good enough a butter knife prize open the black box i remove two pounds of fine gray ash in a plastic bag sealed with a tie wrap and metal clamp knife cuts bag ash dumps more than scatters
the Bodhisattva vegetarianism grants me an indulgence. I stop for barbecued ribs like those I loved as a child. Fingers greasy despite four paper towels, tongue probing meat caught between teeth. I now see my parents' early optimism, how they believed mountain-inspired decency would prevail. What happened? What happened? Let's see if I can find the. Oh, here's one about San Francisco called Refuge Denied. Two girls chalk a mandala of green leaves and pink flowers on the asphalt by a BART station. A skinny kid with a mohawk carries his guitar into the sacred circle and screams a clash song. A woman with a book of poems follows, but a homeless drunk pushes her aside with a 20-minute rendition of Suck My Black Dick. Welcome to San Francisco, sacred mandala of art and culture, refuge of stylish lesbians and Prius taxis where a North Beach dog accompanies a park branch sax player with barks and growls and the godfather of Chinese tea cajoles his patrons over tiny cups of puar and high mountain oolong. At the Zen center, a cholo jisha with a soul patch and baggy jeans carries incense for a black-robed priest. Panhandlers give high fives and broken-tooth smiles to passerby who travel sidewalks that glitter like the Milky Way. San Francisco, whose lifeblood is money, smell it on the gray-haired man who wears a 20-year-old blonde like a Rolex, the kind of woman who'd turn her back if I said hello. Still traces of old San Francisco remain, plotting up Powell, Laura Linney smiles at me while gasping for breath. San Francisco, beautiful dream on the verge of self-destruction, where prices are obscene, where restaurant bills shout, suck my black dick and rent sell your mother into prostitution. San Francisco, an escape from corporate America, affordable only by the masters of corporate America. San Francisco, I love you, but only the rich can find refuge here. Thank you. The good news is, if I'm not working for the University of Chicago, there's no reason I can't move back to fucking San Francisco. Okay, sorry. I've already tried to look at the upside. I've already tried to look at the positive side of getting fired. Okay. We can run workshops. Sounds like a fucking good idea. I'll live in Larry Hyde again. It's very exciting. Stilly is back. Oh. Hey. Good. Hi, Stilly. Um, so I think there's only two people left. Um, there's me and there's Dane. Um, 
but I think it's a bit wanky to put myself last. Um, so I'm gonna go now. Um, I've got them here. I've never read them before, but I always feel like a bit bad, and I'm just like reading off the page here because I'm not like paying attention. Um, neither of them have names. Um, I'm just trying to work out if there's like an order to them. Stop apologising. Okay, I'm not fucking sorry. I'm not sorry. Fuck it. I'll do this one first. Um, yeah, it doesn't have a name. I shake hands with hands that shake with my anxieties and he just smiles and stares a hole straight through me. Before returning to pacing the corners of my mind now infected with his antics. On a more than regular basis, he starts by shaping my day before I wake and closes us 